I think Belichick turned on the tape, thought so little of your entire operation that he thought he could treat the game like it was preseason, let Mac Jones go out there with some live reps, test the ankle out, get some reps in before this big divisional game against the Jets they have this week. And he thought he could treat Monday Night Football like it was preseason. And the Bears shoved it right in Belichick's face. From the game plan to the in-game adjustments to the play on the field, the execution, the defense, the special teams, the quarterback play. I mean, all around, the Bears embarrassed the Patriots in Foxborough on Monday night. We'll be giving out all kinds of flowers here throughout the show. But first and foremost, it's the Bears Wire podcast. Welcome to the show. Alyssa, I'll just give you the floor right away. If you have anything to say right off the jump, anything you want to rub in my face before we start breaking down this Bears win, folks that listen to the show each week know I'm a Patriots fan. The the Bears gave it to my Patriots on Monday Night Football. Not exactly how I or anybody kind of predicted, Alyssa. So go ahead. You you got anything you want to say? Just get it out of the way now so we can just move on and start breaking this thing down. You know, I I wouldn't do that to you. I mean, I would hate uh, if someone did that to me. And (laughs) I mean, it was a really, really impressive win. But man, I mean, we got to remember, this is still a bad Bears team, but it was really fun. But I'm not going to rub it in your face. Just like I know you wouldn't have rubbed it in mine because, I mean, you know, we try to keep try to keep it fun on here, right? You know, yes. I, I'm keeping my expectations realistic at this point. Like, this is still, yes, they're three and four. Yes, that was a very dominating win. But at the same time, we got to keep things in perspective about this Bears team. And, you know, we're, we're, I know we're about to break it down here, but... You know, let's have some fun with it. But I know, Ryan, that you have some things that you need to get off your chest, too. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to get to it. I mean, just right off the bat, my Patriots got embarrassed by Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields and the Bears. And that's just all there is to it. So let's just put that out there. But again, Alyssa, you are way too nice. Not only are you not rubbing it in my face on the show, you didn't rub it into my face on like on tweets or anything or or, uh, or on uh, text messages, I should say. None of that. Right. You were just, you know, you're straight up professional. And a good friend. Well, it's all not like you're around. a Packers fan. If you're a Packers fan, <laughs> yeah, then true. things would be a lot different. That's true. <laughs> and I'd be more insufferable, too, if I was a Packers fan, uh, believe it or not. Um, that voice you're hearing, of course, is Alyssa Barbieri. She's the managing editor of USA Today's Bears Wire. I'm Ryan O'Leary playing host. And now that the Bears are demolishing teams like my Patriots, my poor Patriots on the road, you should definitely subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, you're going to want to hear us breaking down these wins every week. Um, and you can find us on Apple, Spotify or wherever, wherever you get your podcasts. And Alyssa, yes, I do have something to get off my chest right off the start. And I think Bears fans will, will like this take. Um, I think Bill Belichick and the Patriots blatantly disrespected the Bears in this game. And I think the Patriots got exactly what they deserved on Monday Night Football, right? Like Belichick always gets credit for outcoaching the opposition, right? He will confuse uh, the first or second year quarterback, bait them into mistakes. They'll, they'll make the, uh, the other coach that's in his first year look silly. It's why we... You and I and everybody else uh, were expecting the Bears to get smacked on Monday Night Football in, in, in Foxborough, right? Like, Bears fans, don't tell me you picked the Bears to beat the Patriots because you didn't on Monday Night. You're lying to me if you said you did. We all had the Patriots winning that game by a, by a million. But Belichick, he was too busy playing mind games and dinking around with his quarterbacks to take the Bears seriously. Like, I honestly think, because Belichick did admit after the game that it was his plan all along to play both Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi in the game. He said it in the post game. There was a reporting about that pregame. And it's like, huh? Why? Like, have you ever heard of that, Alyssa? Like, jump in here real quick. Like, have you ever heard of a, a, a team going into a game being like, yeah, we're going to play both guys? Like, maybe the Saints with Taysom Hill or back in the day when the Jets had 
uh, Tim Tebow. And they're like, ah, we got Sanchez and Tebow. We're going to play them both. But other than that, two, two quarterbacks who are basically the same kind of player. Have you ever heard that? Oh, yeah, that's our plan. We're, we're going to go in there. We're both quarterbacks. They're both going to play. Yeah, I, I've never heard of just like you said. I mean, because they are pretty much the same guy. It's not like, you know, I'm, not that the Bears. I mean, the Bears did it like in that first game last season with Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, two completely different quarterbacks where obviously Fields gives you the run threat. But like, I mean, obviously with, with Zappi and Jones, they're pretty much the same thing. So that was very interesting to me and a little bit of gamesmanship, obviously, by Belichick. So. I mean, that was, I mean, the whole quarterback situation, I know that we could probably talk like for an hour about that uh, for New England, but my goodness, the way he handled it, it, w- it wasn't his best. No, that's like, that's like uh, Matt Eberflus coming out and saying, you know, uh, Fields and uh, and Trevor Simeon, we're, bo- we're going to get them both out there. We want to see how it looks. We're going to get them both out there. No, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you don't do that. <laughs> and, you know, what was really annoying is that why did Bill Belichick let Mac Jones start the game? Like, he wasn't. So Mac Jones three weeks ago, Bears fans might not be following along with this. Why would they? Mac Jones had a severe high ankle sprain uh, four weeks ago, right? This is the fourth week. He was the reports were that he was going to be out six weeks with this injury. This is four weeks removed. He he practiced in a limited fashion all week, even with the extra day on Monday night, right? Like he didn't put together a full practice and maybe he was pushing the play. But why would Belichick let him play when the backup Bailey Zappi had won you back to back games against the Browns and the Lions and he had looked good like you could just make Mac Jones be inactive, let Zappy play, take all the first team reps, and go beat the Bears, which you probably should have at home on Monday night, and then let Mac Jones come back and play against the Jets. But for some reason, uh, and Bears fans, I cooked this take up just for you because this is coming from a lifelong Patriots fan. I think Belichick turned on the tape, thought so little of your entire operation that he thought he could treat the game like it was preseason, let Mac Jones go out there with some live reps, test the ankle out, get some reps in before this big divisional game against the Jets they have this week. And he thought he could treat Monday night football like it was preseason. And the Bears shoved it right in Belichick's face. And good for them, because that was the best football I've seen the Bears play all around in a long time, Alyssa, going back years since we started doing this podcast. That's the best I've seen the Bears look in terms of game plan, in terms of adjustments, in terms of quarterback play, everything. Like, that was freaking awesome. The Patriots got what they deserved. The Bears... I don't think the Patriots took them seriously. I don't think Belichick took them seriously. I thought they disrespected the Bears and good for Chicago. Right. I'm not saying that it's now the 85 Bears and the Bears are going to the Super Bowl, but they are a team that you can't disrespect and look past. They play hard. They're not out here just playing out the string. They're trying to get better. And they gave Belichick and the Pats everything they deserved. All the credit in the world to the Bears. I thought they played a hell of a game. Yeah. And the thing that is most satisfying about this win is that for the first time in a long time, all phases were excelling. Like the, all three phases were clicking. They were dominating. Like there have been so many times when I'm watching like the Bears offense, maybe they, they're, they're doing well, but then the defense is coming up shorthanded. Or then you have the defense dominating and you want the offense to play well at the same time. In this game, they did that. And this was not an easy environment to play in. They were on the road in Foxborough where they had never won before until Monday night and on primetime with obviously coming off that Washington loss, which was just brutal. Nobody was picking the Bears to win this game except for the Bears. And it was just impressive. And especially considering Matt Eberflus outcoached the GOAT and Bill Belichick like that was astounding but like when i did like i do a weekly report card and i was so stunned because i'd never done this before 
um, where everybody got at least an A. Yep. So I think I had like the I get the offense an A, the defense an A, special teams got an A, and then the coaching got an A plus. I mean, like, I when's the last time that I've looked at a Bears report card and written A's? Like, even one A. Like, it, it hasn't happened in a while. I mean, this game, like you said, just dominating. And that's not a word that we would use to describe this team, right, that has arguably the worst roster in the NFL. They're in the beginning of a rebuild. They're young. You know, there are a lot of holes in specific positions. But, man, they showed up to play. And it really shows you just how well coached this team is, this Matt Eberflus-led team. And it's it's just night and day from Matt Nagy. I like, I found myself at one point being like, wow, this was, if we were back in like the Matt Nagy era, not to kind of bring him in again, but I mean, it's different because we're in the start of a new regime. So I keep finding myself going back to that at times. And I'm like, the bears don't win this game. If this is Matt Nagy, like Eberflus really, he, he, he has this team well coached and even like the coordinators, Luke Getze and Alan Williams and Richard Hightower, like they had their players ready to go. And they had that, like, despite everything happening around them, the outside noise, how much they've struggled. I mean, this was a complete game. Normally we talk about the Bears being a second half team. They dominated this entire game with the exception of two series uh, in the second quarter. Yeah, I know. And I don't think you're you're not out of line at all to say that Eberflus and his staff coached circles around Belichick. They did. They did. They absolutely did. Way better. They were way better on this night. And I even look at it like there was that point, right, where... Mac Jones throws that terrible interception. The stadium obviously wants Zappy to come in, right? The, the Patriots fans are, are really into it. It was really electric when Belichick made the switch to Bailey Zappi, who again, should have been starting all along. Mac Jones should have been inactive. He wasn't ready for this game. He should never have been out there. He, he didn't log a full practice. Ridiculous. I don't know what Belichick was thinking. Anyway, I already got that off my chest, Alyssa, right? We're moving on. But <laughs> Bailey Zappi comes in. The crowd goes bananas the crowd is electric they're into the game the Patriots score a touchdown in the blink of an eye then they get an interception and then they score another touchdown in the blink of an eye all of a sudden a 10 nothing Bears lead is 14 to 10 Patriots in the blink of an eye and you got to be thinking oh here's where here's where it goes off the rails for Chicago right here's where the Patriots run away with it and and me as a Patriots fan I'm thinking is Bailey Zappi Tom Brady like what is going on only good things happen when this kid is playing what the hell's going on here so I'm in my living room like what am I watching but then the Bears responded, right? The Bears, it didn't go off the rails. That's a well-coached team. Like, they responded. They adjusted. They adjusted to Bailey Zappi being in the game, Alyssa. I thought that was really impressive. I mean, never mind the fact that the Bears scored the next 23 points unanswered after going down 14-10 to 10 and took the air out of the stadium. It was really impressive the way they were able to do that. That game was over in the second half. You could feel it. And I thought the Bears really adjusted and feasted on Zappi's weaknesses, right? Like, he is... He was inactive for the first three weeks. He was a third string guy. At this time last year, he was playing football at Western Kentucky, Alyssa, right? Like nobody has ever heard of Bailey Zappi and all the respect in the world to him. But we, we don't even know who this kid is. He doesn't have a full grasp of the offense. It's kind of dumbed down for him. It's simple. And I think the Bears realize really quick that he's he's not going to hold the football, right? He's not going to sit there and progress through his reads like Mac Jones or, or a normal starting quarterback would. He's getting it out quick or he's checking it down to Ramadre Stevenson. It felt like every kind of play in that second half, Bailey Zappi was looking to check it down to Ramadre Stevenson. The Bears were giving him that. The Bears also adjusted their pass rush, I thought. Like, why are we rushing this kid if he's just going to chuck the ball immediately and check it down? Like, no, no, no. We'll kind of do that mush rush. We'll stay in the passing lanes, and we'll play volleyball, right? That's what the Bears played volleyball. This kid's six feet tall, and he couldn't get the ball over the line of scrimmage. How many balls did the Bears tip down? 
it was, I mean, I think you have the hard night. It was like five. It felt like 15. It felt like every other pass was tipped down or blocked or batted. The Bears are playing volleyball. So I just thought the adjustments on defense were so smart. They shut it down completely. Kudos to them, the players, the coaches, and then the run game. I mean, we keep going back to this, Alyssa. The run game has been dominant all year. I thought the Patriots, Christian Barmore as a key defensive tackle for them. He was out. Kyle Duggar, a, a key safety in the run game, was hurt during the, the game. And the Bears just, they just feasted on a Patriots weakness. The Patriots couldn't stop the run. And the Bears physically dominated them in that in that span, you know, in that part of the game. So, uh, yeah, the adjustments by the coaches, it was just first-class stuff, stuff we're not used to seeing with the Bears. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of lost in the excitement or optimism about the off, the Bears' offense's performance in this game. And as it, they, they rightfully should be optimism because, man, they looked good, Justin Fields. And I know we're going to talk about him a little bit more later. And that run game, which is now tops in the NFL – but lost in all that is that the defense just freaking dominated Absolutely. this game with the exception of those two touchdowns, those two plays. They they dominated this game from start to finish. Didn't like you said, they they held the Patriots scoreless in the second half, forced four turnovers, three interceptions, fumble recovery. I mean, they were swarming. And this wasn't like the Houston Texans offense. You know, this was a Patriots offense that had been moving the ball pretty well and putting up points for the previous two weeks when Bailey Zappi came in. And like you said, credit to the to this defense for being able to have an answer for both Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. And, you know, heading into this game, I was so excited that Mac Jones was starting because I was saying all week, I'm like, I don't want Bailey Zappi to start. I don't want him to start because like, I feel like if they started him, I don't know if it changes the outcome, but I think things would have been a little bit different in the beginning, kind of get him started from the get go, you know, uh, kind of build a momentum. But like at that point, the bears already had the 10 point lead. You know, the defense was feeling confident. The offense was moving the ball. Justin Fields had settled into a rhythm. So I think at that point, it was too late, but I was really thankful to see Mac Jones, actually, because, again, he's banged up and he's not 100 percent. And you kind of look at what the Patriots did with Mac Jones in the first uh, three games compared to what they've done with Zappi. Uh, but, man, this defense just they, they showed up to play. And I mean, th- there is a lot of talk on Twitter this week about, you know, looking at Ryan Poles and how he used both of his uh, top draft picks in the second round to go defense. Uh, instead of getting George Pickens, who was someone that I I did want on the Bears when we were doing the pre-draft stuff. But, I mean, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker really shut people up uh, in this game, especially Brisker, who, after getting kicked in the groin by Jones, you know, three plays later comes down with that impressive one-handed grab, uh, impressive one-handed interception. I was like, my goodness, we framed that and put it on the wall. I mean, it was really impressive stuff. And even Dominique Robinson, you know, he got his hand on tip ball. You know, the young players were showing up. And Roquan Smith, too, who is playing for a contract. And I feel like he earned some money uh, uh, in this game. So, I mean, it was just really fun and exciting to see uh, a young defense, right, that has a lot of talent, but, you know, they're, they're still growing, right, and learning a new scheme. And to see them just kind of go out and dominate, it was really, really impressive. Yeah, that was Brisker, right? Who got it in the groin? Uh, yeah. I was. I, that was like a cleat. So that was worried about that poor man's. Like, you know, I was worried about everything when I saw that. It looked yeah. like a, he got a little bit of cleat there. So, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers for Brisker there, of course. But yeah, good, great to see him bounce back. Uh, yeah, it was just uh, just a hell of a game for the Bears. We're gonna be talking about it here some more. We got some more takes coming up. Uh, Justin Fields, of course, we're gonna get to his day. 
He was excellent. Uh, more stuff on Ryan Poles. What could the Bears do something at, at the deadline? Probably not. But what about at the center position, right? We saw Lucas Patrick for a whole 10 snaps. And then we saw more Sam Mustafer. So we'll get to that as well. And of course, uh, the Bears have another tough opponent. Can they do it again? Can they shock the world again? And this time beat the Dallas Cowboys as huge road underdogs. We'll get to all that coming up next. But first, let's set our fantasy lineups. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Ford Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number eight. New Orleans Saints quarterback Andy Dalton versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Fresh off a 361-yard, four-touchdown performance in which he also threw three costly picks, Dalton appears poised to start ahead of the still-injured Jameis Winston. Las Vegas has given up the most fantasy points to the position, and every starting quarterback has gone for at least 23 fantasy points against this defense in 2022. In the last three weeks alone, this matchup is 46.7% better than the league average. While expecting anything close to a replication of last week's showing is unwise, Dalton has a chance to get his top two wide receivers back on the field and should be good for at least 275 yards and a pair of touchdown strikes, which is more than enough fantasy success to justify a streaming play. Miami Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert at the Detroit Lions. Mostert has gone for 10 or more PPR points in three of the last four games, and he set a season-high mark with 20.9 points last week. The former 49ers dominated this backfield work of late, and he faces a cupcake matchup. Ride the hot hand and lock Mostert in for a minimum of RB2 expectations. Detroit has given up the fourth most fantasy points per game in the last five weeks, regardless of whether receptions are included. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bateman returned last week from a foot injury to log four grabs for 42 yards and five targets. It appears he came out of this game no worse for wear and will face a Tampa defense that is fighting through injuries of its own in the secondary. Eight receivers have made it into double figures in PPR scoring against the Bucs, and two of the three best performances have come in the last two weeks. Look for Bateman to get back on track. Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith versus the Arizona Cardinals. Coming off a bye, Smith looks to make it consecutive games with a touchdown grab. And Arizona's feeble defense is a position will make it a reasonable bet to come to fruition. While Smith scored in week six, he logged four catches for an impressively low seven yards. He has no more than five catches for 42 in any outing this year, which should help illustrate his riskiness. Roll the dice on the matchup itself. This is a top eight opponent for receptions, yardage, and touchdown efficiency by tight ends in the last five weeks. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. It's our questions of the week for Alyssa. This is, these are the three questions that I kind of cook up for Alyssa to uh, to answer for us. And here's number one. We were talking about adjustments that the coaches made earlier on. They were just excellent in this game. And I thought one was part of the game plan altogether, I think, Alyssa. And it really worked out. The Bears, uh, after I'm sure they saw, you know, preparing for the Patriots, that the Patriots really struggled against Lamar Jackson in their game against the Ravens this season, they dialed up 12 designed runs for Justin Fields in this game, if I have that right. And he turned those runs into a lot of production, right? 63 yards and a touchdown. Did Luke Getze unlock something that's been missing from this Bears offense for two years, right? Like we've always talked about, like, why can't we tailor a game plan to Justin Fields' strength? And I think it's undeniable that his vision 
and his speed and his angles as a runner is an absolute strength of his. The Bears kind of unlocked that and kind of unleashed fields in this game, and it worked wonders, right? I mean, it had the Patriots spinning, and it really added a new dimension to the run game. Is this something that they've now unlocked and we'll see more of? I mean, I've been very uh, critical of Luke Etsy this season, as have a lot of Bears fans. And, you know, sometimes I've had to sit here and remind myself, you know, we talk about Justin Fields being, I mean, he's now started 17 games, so he's officially started an entire season that we also have to remember that just like Fields is a young quarterback, Luke Getze is calling, you know, plays in the NFL for the first time. So, you know, there are going to be some some bumps along the way, and we, we kind of saw that. And in this game, you know, that mini bye week after the Washington loss, I mean, we talk about how that loss was just brutal, but it also kind of feels like, Maybe it was a turning point because you had that mini bye week, 11 days to kind of reflect on, you know, what went right, what went wrong, how do we fix it? And I think it was a really good self-evaluation for Luke Getze, too, and how he's calling the offense. Obviously, the run game has been the strength, and obviously the focal point is going to be Justin Fields' development, you know, and I mean – with this offensive line, you're not going to really do anything this season that's going to fix things. Hopefully, Cody Whitehair comes back um, in a couple weeks here. I know he's eligible to return next week uh, uh, after landing on IR. I mean, outside of getting him back and then Lucas Patrick is on IR right now. Um, so then he'll eventually be coming back, hopefully, in, in about a month. Outside of bringing guys back, you're not going to do a lot with this offensive line right now. So you're, you're stuck with it. So, and that means fields has 10 more games where he's going to need to play behind this. And Luke Getze finally realized, you know, I got to do something to help my quarterback out. And also wait, Holy crap. Justin Fields is pretty damn good. He like, he is, I mean, watching him use his athleticism in this game and I mean, it was impressive. And so you really saw Getze with those design runs. Like you said, there were 12 in this game. They were only 20 in six games before that all season. So you really saw a shift and you have to credit Getzy too, because he saw what Lamar Jackson had done to the Patriots with those designed runs, right. And how it just killed them. And the bears did the same thing, you know, right. It's not going to be like this every week, but I think especially for this opponent and how Luke Getzy handled it, it, it worked. And I mean, I was just really impressed with Luke Getzy. And I think that, you know, I think in that Washington game and a couple other instances, it really felt like Luke Getze was trying to make his players fit his scheme. And now you finally saw him, you know, adjusting and adapting his game plan to fit the strengths of his players, especially fields. And it worked. The offense scored 33 points, which is the most since 2020. Uh, and this was a very convincing win. It's something to build off of. There are still concerns. Obviously, the offensive line, you know, gave up. Uh, I think it was four sacks again. And Justin Fields is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> And, you know, the offensive line is still a concern, especially the tackles. You know, Braxton Jones got pushed around a little bit. Larry Borum, definitely. And there are still questions heading into next season. But this is definitely one of those offensive performances that not only Justin Fields and these players can build on, but Luke Getze. This has to be a big confidence booster for him. Uh, And I think that hopefully this is going to be the turning point for the offense moving forward. Not saying it's going to fix you know, they still have issues in the passing game, which that's the next step, right? You know, is you want to get that passing game going, but now you're putting your quarterback in positions to succeed. And now you have that threat of his legs. I'm really excited to see what they do next. You know, obviously the Cowboys are not, are on deck and there are some, some pretty good defenses that they're going to be facing, but I was very impressed uh, by what Luke Getzey was able to do in this game. So show me what you got next. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a hell of a plan. It was. And yeah, I think, you know, as RG3 tweeted uh, this week, 
he said that, you know, it doesn't have to be all about, you know, running the football for fields, but helping him, allowing him to do that helps him stack good plays. And it just, it, it just bides well. For, it bodes well for his confidence, right, Alyssa? Right. We've always talked about Fields' confidence. He was kind of down in the dumps early in the year. Anything that can get him feeling good, and yeah, it wasn't just his legs. Like I thought, his little sidearm flip pass where he got blasted and he put it between two defenders at a at a different angle, oh, yeah. right? Like if that was Mahomes, we'd still be seeing that at Sports Center. Like it'd be just on a loop, right? But it was Fields, so we don't see it. But Fields like kind of flipped it there for the you know big play. I mean. And he got blasted like that was one of the turning points in the whole game. That was an incredible play by Fields. So, yeah, he took a huge step forward for sure. Everybody did, including Getze. It was just it was just a great day. Great day for the Bears. Unfortunately for me as a Patriots fan. But good job, Bears. I'm going to give it to you. Uh, you mentioned the offensive line, Alyssa. Uh, you mentioned Lucas Patrick as well. We got to see him at center for a whole 10 snaps before the toe injury. And then we see him getting carted off. I was actually watching the Manning cast at the time. And I'm like, so I didn't have the broadcast. You know, I was, I didn't have the sound. I'm like, wait, wait, what's going on? Why is he on this? Why is he on the cart? What happened? So Lucas Patrick gets wheeled off. Uh, and it didn't take long for Sam Mustafer to hop off the bench and resume that role at center. So we're back to this thing. How would you address this? Right? I think center is obviously, um, it's an area of need. It's an area of concern, Alyssa. I don't know if they'll be able to figure that out this year. Like, I don't know. It's probably, it's not going to happen at the trade deadline or anything, right? It's probably going to be in the off season, but what would you do if you're Ryan Poles? Like, should that be a priority in free agency, the draft, both? Like, how are you addressing the center position? Are you throwing in the towel on Lucas Patrick, the center? Yeah. I mean, watching that, I was like, yay, Lucas Patrick's fine. We're finally get to see him at center after it, you know, six games of him just playing guard and recovering from that broken thumb. And, you know, it was good seeing him in there because uh, that's what he was brought in to do. And then, like you said, 10 snaps later, he's out. Mustafa's back in. And you could it's just like, kind of hear wah, that collective wah. groan yeah. from Bears yeah. fans. Like with Lucas Patrick going out, the center position is a huge question. But I think so are the tackle jobs. At this point, I think that the Bears are set at guard with Cody Whitehair. And Tevin Jenkins has been playing lights out yep, he's uh, at right guard. So I think that they're they're set at guard. So now you got to look at the tackle position uh, and obviously center. And that's what's most frustrating with Lucas Patrick. Now he's gone for at least a month, right? So we're not going to get him back until probably week 12. Um, so you want to see what you have in Lucas Patrick at center. And he's only played 10 snaps uh, at this point. So it's frustrating. I think it's clear Sam Mustafer isn't the answer. So, I mean, Ryan Poles, we know he's going to address the offensive line this offseason in free agency and in the draft. Uh I mean, I, I could see them going out and I mean, I haven't had a chance to look yet. I mean, I'm still trying to live in, you know, the 2022 season and we are in week eight now. Haven't had a chance to look at who uh, some of the centers are going to be in free agency, but I definitely think that's a position that he could be looking at. But Lucas Patrick is under contract for another year after this. So I could also see them just kind of rolling with him again and then maybe addressing it maybe the following year, maybe even in the draft, you know, later on. Um but yeah, the whole off, I mean, the tackle position and center are going to both be areas where he needs to address. And I know he is. He's a former offensive lineman. Like he understands the importance of the trenches, right? And he, I, I see him obviously addressing the offensive line uh, in free agency. They're going to have the cap space to do that. And then the NFL draft. So, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. Like thinking about the thinking ahead to the offseason, you know, because I mean, 2023 is going to be that year where you're really hoping this team takes that next step. And it's going to depend a lot on how polls is building this roster. I, my gut is telling me that they're still going to stick with Lucas Patrick for another year. Cause he is under contract. 
But I could see him. He's someone that's always going to polls is always going to be taking shots at offensive linemen uh, in the draft. So I can see him, you know, they at this point, they still have Doug Kramer, who is is gone for the year before he even got to start uh, at center. So he's a a prospect that obviously Ryan Poles could look to develop as well. So, I mean, just basically I'm talking around it, Ryan. I mean, there's a lot of needs on the offensive line at this point. So. I, I definitely see Brian Poles addressing that in whatever ways that he can uh, in the offseason. Now, I think that's a good take. Like, we've only seen 10 snaps of Patrick, so we don't know that it's a disaster yet, right? So hopefully he comes yeah. back. Hopefully he doesn't come back at guard, right? Like, hopefully hopefully he comes back he at center does. and we could see it again. So we'll have to, we'll have to wait and, and see what happens there. Uh, question number three, uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, like we both gave the Bears zero chance on Monday night and Bears fans, so did you. Like, don't, don't tell us on Twitter that you had the Bears winning and I don't you're lying to us. Don't don't do that. Right. And, and I Bill, had them. I had them keeping it within one score, which was be as close as I would have come to saying that they were going to win. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's that's better than I had it. Uh, so Bill Belichick, they he clearly gave the, the Bears no chance. And again, shame on you, Bill. Shame on you. That was just bad, bad, <laughs> bad, bad. Uh, but where does Monday night rank for you in terms of like the most unexpected Bears performances you've seen? Like, like, can you remember, Alyssa, a game? where the Bears looked as bad as they did going in and then played as well as they did coming out of Foxborough, right? Like, they looked so bad the game before. Everybody was picking the Patriots. It was going to be a romp. Nobody was giving the Bears a shot. And then they kind of flipped the script and just dominate. Like, do you remember another Bears game? Can you think of anything off the top of your head? I don't think so. <laughs> this is that, it. That's a good question. I, I like, because normally that's not like, normally there would be a game that would stick out immediately. Like if we're talking like bad games, I would have a few that would stick out immediately. But when we're talking good, yeah, I can't remember the the last time. That's what I mean. There's been some overreaction, you know, uh, on Twitter and, uh, and from some people. But we had to remind ourselves that hey, this is still a bad football team, but they're still finding ways to win and to pull out like some pretty impressive and dominating victories against the Patriots. But at the same time, man, yeah, I can't. I'm trying to think, and I really can't. But that's, I think, why everyone is so excited about this game because I honestly can't remember the last time I had fun watching the Bears. I mean, yeah. they've won some games, but it's kind of even like the Texans game. Like that wasn't fun. <laughs> the 49ers <laughs> game wasn't fun until you know the end, like when they obviously had it wrapped up and it was raining and the slip and slide at the end. I mean, and even dating back to last year, it, it's. It's not fun, but like this game was like from start to finish with the exception of those two, you know, touchdowns in the second quarter. It was fun. And I think that's why a lot of bear, like that's why this is one of those games that I think is going to be a culture change for this team. And, and maybe not even necessarily just for this season, but also for like the Matt Eberflus era moving forward, you kind of see exactly what he brings as a head coach going back to Eberflus and just how impressive that this win is. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is me talking in circles because I literally I don't have an answer to your question. Um, but now I feel like I'm going to need to go do some homework after this and just figure out, like, is it within a decade? I don't know. Yeah, you got, <laughs> like, you're going to have to get on that and let me know um, because I just I couldn't think of one. Uh, yeah. I just thought maybe I'd throw it at you because I, I just I can't remember bad games, but not good games <laughs> in terms of flipping the script like that. Right. Like just nobody gave him a shot and then they didn't only win. It's not like they kicked a game winning field goal. I mean, that was domination. They dominated. They had a better yeah. plan, better execution, better adjustments, better everything. They physically annihilated a team that everybody thought was going to do the other thing. So 
yeah, just so much props to the Bears. Can't give them enough uh, enough love on that win. And now we got to we got to ask ourselves, Alyssa, can they do it again? Can the Bears shock everybody again? Because they're a nine and a half point underdog heading to Dallas. So we're going to get into that spread, that matchup, and, and give a pick on that game right after this free play from the Bet Slippin' Podcast. This is the typical sportsbook minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Be sure to check us and our global sports betting leader, Typico Sportsbook, out. Typico Sportsbook is a global sports betting leader and is live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Typico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users will get a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, 21 plus and see site for the details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey and 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado. All right, let's get into this week eight's game of the week between the Packers and the Bills. The Packers are 11 and a half point underdogs at Buffalo. The Bills are still going to be without Tredavious White. They're probably a strong uh, public play. They sit 16th in opponents completion percentage. Meanwhile, Green Bay was coming into the season, had the PFF's fifth best offensive line, ranks 12th in sack percentage. And while they do give up completions, they rank 22nd in opponent's passer rating. While it may not, well, while it may feel like a risky play, I would back the Packers plus 11 and a half. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Can the Bears shock us again, right? This time, Chicago is a nine and a half point dog heading to Dallas, Alyssa. Uh, bad news for Chicago. I don't think Mike McCarthy will be playing musical chairs and messing around with his quarterbacks like Bill Belichick did on Monday night, right? Like, I don't think we're going to see Dak Prescott start for a few few series and then Cooper Rush come back in. No, 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 no. Dak is back. The Cowboys have a good run game. They have a really good passing game. They have a dominant defense. Uh, and I think the Cowboys are much better than the Patriots. So uh, that's why the line is where it is. Chicago going on the road, trying to do it again. Do you think, do you think like you, you said you predicted the, the bears to be within one score of the Pats, right? Are you doing it again? What do you think? Could the, could the bears cover the spread? So kind of looking back at this season and the losses that the bears have had all, but one have been by one score. And that biggest one was 17 points to the Packers. And that was just a brutal one. So, I mean, I think there's definitely a chance that, that the bears keep this thing close. They could keep it one score, maybe even 10 at the same time. I could also see it kind of going the way that Packers game did. Cause this is a really good Cowboys team. Uh, that NFC East, by the way, is just phenomenal. Uh, with the exception Crazy. Of Wa- well, I don't Crazy. know. Washington beat the bears and the Packers. Now I can't even say that. Uh, but yeah, the NFC East is killing it. This is a really good Cowboys team, uh, especially on defense. I'm a little nervous. Uh, for fields, but kind of going back to what you're saying, can they build off of this? The most frustrating thing I think this season so far has been when there have been some really good performances or like whether it was a win or even like the loss to the Vikings, it, it, it almost felt like it felt like a moral victory because they had looked so good and made progress. 
But they'd follow that up with some pretty big stinkers, you know, right? So especially that Washington game in in, uh, week six. So I want to see what the Bears do after this win. Like, can they actually build on it? Don't get too in your head and start reading the clippings and all that stuff. Like, I want to see them build off of this win and keep it as close as they can because if they played – like they did against the Patriots, they definitely can keep this a one-score game and maybe even win. If that defense plays like that and the Bears run the ball like they did and Justin Fields balls out, I definitely think that they have a chance in this game. But, you know, if I were to make my pick right now, I'm still going to say that the Cowboys are going to cover at this point. So I'd probably give the edge to the Cowboys winning by 10 uh, right now. So, I mean, but I think that's still pretty good considering how good of a team that this, this Dallas team is. Yeah, that, that's a tough game on the road again. And yeah, I hope the Bears aren't reading the press clippings or, or turning on Chicago sports radio, Alyssa, because uh, people have them going to the Super Bowl after that when it gets the Patriots, basically like everybody's in. It's the 85 Bears all of a sudden. It's like, oh, great. Chicago picked a great time to turn into the 85 Bears against my Patriots. I just got to say that. Like, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, guys. Playing perfect. your best game of the season. Uh, I do think Monday's game was kind of a perfect storm. I think the Patriots were disinterested for some reason from a game plan standpoint. I know I've, I've railed against that throughout the show. I thought the Bears had a great plan on the other side of that. There were some injuries during the game that I think played in Chicago's favor in terms of just their run game that was already dominant versus a Patriots team that were down some key guys in the run game and they just couldn't hang. The Bears were just too good in the run game. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and just Bailey Zappi being a third string quarterback and playing like it. So I think it was kind of a perfect storm in terms of how well the Bears played, how poorly the Patriots played, it was almost like Plinko, right? You know, the price is right, Alyssa. Like, it just bounced perfectly to that $10,000 spot in the middle of the board. Like, it just kind of all came together. I don't I don't think that means the Bears are going to be great this week, though, right? It's a completely different thing. It's a completely different matchup. And I actually think Dallas, as you were kind of saying, kind of a, a scary matchup because the Patriots and, the, you know, their linebackers are slow. Slow, slow, slow. I've... I think off the air, I've complained about the Patriots linebackers. I might randomly text you in the middle of the day, like, oh, the Patriots are so slow and horrible at linebacker. Like, I just can't get that out of my head. The Cowboys are not. They are fast all over on their defense. They they run to the ball. They're kind of the polar opposite of the Patriots with their speed. And, you know, I think the Cowboys could feast, especially with the Bears, you know, down some offensive linemen in this one. So, I, yeah, I think the Cowboys win by 10 plus. Sorry, Bears fans. I, I know. We're riding high, and last week was great, and you deserve it, and it's been a fun week, but I don't think it's the 85 Bears. I don't think the Bears are making a run, and I think it kind of comes back down to earth uh, this this week against Dallas. I think Dallas is uh, uh, just a tough matchup with the way they can run it, pass it, play defense. I don't know. They're they're a good team. They're much better than the Patriots, and, and I give Dallas the edge. I think Dallas wins it by a couple scores, so... Yeah, I'm picking Dallas. I'm I'm not riding the train, unfortunately, Alyssa. I don't think we're going to string them together here. Yeah, and I think, I mean, looking at the matchup, like you said, I feel like the Bears defense, I think that they can hang with, with the Cowboys offense. I think that, that I think that they'll do their job. But I'm more terrified about that Cowboys defense going up against the Bears yeah. offense. And yeah. I think that's when things could get pretty ugly. You start turning the ball over and it could get away from them very quickly. I still think when you look at, like what Matt Eberflus has has done with his team and having them ready and everything. I think that they they have a chance, but I'm not picking them to win this game. I really hope that they prove us wrong again, because I mean, we didn't give them a chance last week. I mean, I'm like, 
they have a chance, but they don't have a good chance to win this game. So right. maybe right, we're we're moving know. we're moving the goalposts a little bit there, right? We're we're getting a little, a little bit of progress. Bit. I I'm a little disappointed that Dak Prescott came back last week, right? Because he kind of he didn't play great in that first half against the Lions last week. He kind of worked out some kinks, and then he played better in the second half. And the Cowboys kind of it was close for a little bit against Detroit, and then Dallas kind of pulled away. And it's like. Dak kind of knocked the rust off last week, and I think he's going to come. He's going to be pretty good in this game. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get a healthy Dak Prescott, which is unfortunate. It's, it's too bad the Bears aren't getting Cooper Rush, their backup. But again, no musical chairs this week. Yep, no musical <laughs> chairs this week. Unfortunately, you're not going to have McCarthy. Oh, we're going to play both quarterbacks. Oh yeah, we're going to throw a curveball at the Bears. Yeah, that's not happening. Unfortunately, so uh, so good stuff is always from you, Alyssa. What's what's going on on Bears Wire for the rest of the week? Just a lot of previewing of this ball game. Oh yeah, getting ready for Bears Cowboys. Obviously, the trade deadline's coming up here in, uh, next week. Um, there's some yeah. uh, new watch. Post up about watch, Robert right? Quinn. There yep. are some reports about um, the Bears intend to keep Robert Quinn. Uh, it sounds like, even though you know there have been some rumors that he's on the trade block and everything. So, I mean, that's always worth monitoring because we don't know until it's done. But yeah, getting getting everyone ready for Bears Cowboys coming up on Sunday during this short week. Uh, and the trade deadline. So it's, it's never a dull moment. That is for sure. (laughs) Never, never. So check Alyssa out. That's Alyssa Barbieri again. She's, she does her stuff on bears wire. It's always great. Her and her team do a great job. Check that out for us. Hit subscribe for the podcast. If you haven't already, again, when the bears shock the world again, Alyssa and beat the Cowboys on the road. Oh, we're really gonna have to (laughs) eat crow next week after picking against them twice in a row. We're not buying in, but maybe we'll have to buy in if they do it again. So definitely subscribe and, and hang with us and let us know what you think on Twitter. Our our, just, our uh, Twitter handles are in the description of this podcast. So check out that and let us know. Join the conversation. And with that, we're going to sign off. We'll catch you next week. Bear down. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.